Rejoice again, I say rejoice. What a wonderful hymn that was, one we don't hear very often, but one that is perfect for use on this day, the third Sunday of Advent. You'll notice uh, on the Advent wreath, three candles are lit, including the rose candle, and that uh, I am uh, wearing my uh, rose-colored chasuble. I think perhaps it was actually a red chasuble at one time, but over the centuries it has become a rose chasuble. Who knows? Um, and we're doing our best. We have some, some red hangings up, but just imagine they're a little bit lighter color uh, because this is one of the refreshment Sundays in the liturgical year. The other, of course, comes in the fifth week of Lent. And usually I, I would say the refreshment Sunday in Lent is much more of a relief uh, because uh, Lent we, we do tend to take a little bit, put a little bit more uh, seriousness into than we do Advent. Um, but this Refreshment Rejoicing Sunday is a time to, uh, to rejoice in the Lord because uh, we are awaiting, joyfully awaiting his coming. And uh, I, I think there was a lot of rejoicing going on in the park last night, so could explain things uh, today. But be that as it may, uh, you know, we just got a little bit ahead of ourselves. But uh, we, we're hearing from this John the Baptist, and it's interesting that we sort of counterbalance this rejoice, rejoice with John's exhortations to the people, uh, because he, people are coming out to him, and what he says is sort of counterintuitive. They come out, and he starts uh, hollering at them, you brood of vipers, who warned you about the wrath to come? I can imagine saying that uh, as people are coming into church. Uh, but he, John the Baptist, is a very unusual, very uh, interesting character to us and to the people of his own time. He lived differently. He wore different kinds of clothes. He ate different kinds of foods. He was just a real outlier and so attracted a lot of attention for himself. And now, he, of course, he didn't use that attention uh, to try to drum up fame or, or you know, any kind of uh, support for his own agenda, but he used it always to point the way to Jesus Christ. Now, we know that John and Jesus were cousins. We know they were contemporaries, that John was born just a few months before Jesus. We celebrate John's birthday, March 24th, six months before Christmas. We know from the story of the visitation that Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, who is in the sixth month of her pregnancy. What we don't know is how much interaction the two had during their upbringing. You know really very little about Jesus's youth and childhood and really nothing about John the Baptist. We have the story of his birth, which is a, an amazing miraculous story in and of itself, but then that big gap. Remember last week we heard uh, uh, that very specific gospel reading about a very specific time in which John, the son of Zechariah, received God's spirit and went out into the wilderness. And this was to fulfill what uh, Isaiah said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled and every hill shall be made low. So John is this great sort of preparer, uh, an advanced team, if you will, of one uh, for Jesus Christ. 
And so he goes out into the wilderness and begins to teach and preach and gets quite a following. You know, John had his own group of disciples. Jesus wasn't the only one. And so he starts this interesting practice of baptism. Now, baptism, of course, has its roots in ritual bathing. And in many different religions, ritual bathing is a thing. Um, And it is, of course, in Judaism. And people would go uh, on their yearly pilgrimage to the temple and prepare to uh, give their sacrifices. And one of the things that they would do is perform this ritual bath to become clean. Now, the difference between a ritual bath and a baptism is that the baptism sticks with you. <laughs> the, uh, the ritual bath has to be done over and over again. And baptism, as a symbol of Christ's uh, giving of himself, is a once and for all type of thing. So whether you were an infant when you were baptized or youth or you came to the the church as an adult, it matters not, when you went into the water or when the water was sprinkled upon you, you went down to death, you went down to the tomb with Christ and rose again with him. You died to sin and were raised to newness of life. And this was a really radical concept at the time. And so John sort of gets in trouble with the authorities because of this, because he is proclaiming forgiveness of sins. And who is he to do that? Well, of course, from our perspective now looking back, we know that he was a chosen messenger of God. We believe him to be the last in the, in the line of the great prophets. And we know that he lost his life in an untimely and very gruesome way. I wouldn't call him a martyr because he really didn't die for the faith of uh, Jesus Christ, but certainly in his capacity as a prophet and as a messenger of God, he attracted that attention and that uh, jealousy and animus from certain people, and that did lead to his death. Now, I remember, I'll never forget, uh, in my first parish where I served my curacy on uh, 74th Street in Manhattan, uh, there's quite a collection of uh, religious paraphernalia, and uh, in the sacristy was a plaster bust, really, a, a head of John the Baptist attached to a silver platter hanging on the wall. So every time you walked into the sacristy and looked up, there he was sort of looking down at you, and it was a bit macabre, um, and he did get covered up at Lent with a purple cloth. Um, but it was always a reminder of that, that uh, cost of his discipleship. And so, but what is John doing out in the wilderness? Uh, he's, he's attracting all these people. He's, uh, on the one hand, telling them off. But then uh, they, they're like, well, what do we do? What should we do? And what he tells them to do are things that, to my way of thinking, are pretty basic and you would think self-explanatory and obvious. Um, if you have two coats, share one. If you have more than you need to eat, share some of your food with those who have none. And so this, this exhortation of John the Baptist is something that we carry, of course, into our Christian life. So as an expression of our Christianity, we try to do these things. And, and you all very well know about the, um, 
the outreach ministries that we do here at St. Mary's to fulfill that. But he goes on with uh, different other kinds of people. It says, even tax collectors were coming to be baptized, even tax collectors. So again, John is uh, paving the way for Jesus in another way, in that all different types of people are coming to him. It's not just uh, the high and the holy, the great and the good, or the mighty, but it's all different types of people, even people who are... uh, not very highly regarded, like these tax collectors who take bribes or skim off the top, uh, like these soldiers who threaten people with violence in order to uh, shake them down for a little extra cash because they're not happy with how much money they're making. And so he tells them, basically, just stop doing that kind of thing. Live an honest life and do your best. And that way... The things that you do throughout your life will bear fruit worthy of repentance, will bear this holy fruit for God. And he tells them, don't, uh, don't say that we have Abraham as our ancestor. In other words, he's telling them not to rest on their laurels or be complacent or think that just because one time long, long ago there was this great and holy man who did God's word and had a special relationship with God because of that, you're just sort of off the hook for everything else. He's putting it in, he's putting uh, salvation and forgiveness of sins into their laps, which is something Jesus does for us. We're, uh, yes, we are the beneficiaries of his uh, sacrifice of himself, and we commemorate it and participate in it week in and week out, year in, year out through the sacraments. But he gives us a command that we love one another, that we love our neighbors as ourselves, that we go out into the world to make disciples. You see, I, I, think, I think with John, we have a turning point in salvation history in that we go from this sort of purely, uh, and I'm not saying that people weren't, uh, didn't live holy lives and there weren't uh, good, uh, faithful people back then, but I, I think that with the coming of John and then Jesus and the message that they put out there, that we are turning outward instead of inward. And we are looking out into the world, into our brothers and sisters, and to see how we can serve them like Jesus served. Remember, Jesus said, the greatest among you must be servant of all. And in his example on Maundy Thursday in the upper room where he takes off his outer robe and ties a towel around his waist and washes the feet of all of the disciples. So he gives us an example of great humility and honest holiness. Remember back to the story of the, of the widow's might, where the, the holy and pious widow goes without fanfare and puts all she has into the collection plate or the alms box or whatever it was called at the time, whereas others were making quite a show. And Jesus again says, do not be like the hypocrites who stand on the corners and, you know, make a scene of their faith. But have this humility in your heart, have this ability to forgive as you have been forgiven, and then go out into the world and be Christ for your brothers and sisters. And so... We give thanks on this day for the, the, the great example of John the Baptist, who really did 
lay the foundation for the ministry of Jesus. He really did uh, open people's eyes and ears and hearts to a new way of thinking that allowed Jesus then to step in at the right time and begin to spread his message of love and grace and reconciliation. And so let us always be mindful and alert, as we are supposed to be during the season of Advent, for those voices of the prophets that we hear, whether it's an actual prophet or whether it's that still small voice within us calling us always to die to self, to die to sin, and become more and more one with Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.